We're going to have some fun with the Word of God tonight. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's link up in 2 Corinthians. I'm going to go ahead and give you my title up front tonight, but I want you to help me with it, so I need you to turn to somebody beside you and tell them it's a grind. It's a grind. It's a grind. Sometimes you know life's just a grind. Sometimes life is just difficult. Sometimes school is a grind. Sometimes that job is a grind. Sometimes that gym commitment is a grind. Sometimes that relationship is a grind. Sometimes life is just a grind. Sometimes things are just difficult. Sometimes they wear us down. And you know, the funny thing is, they're the same things we spend a lot of time enjoying, but at the same time, they can be grinding too. How many of you know that living a life of faith and obedience to Christ can also be a grind at times. Sometimes living a life of faith, sometimes living a life of obedience unto Jesus is a grind. As a matter of fact, more times than not, when Jesus was consulting with the crowds of people who were considering following him, he would turn around and tell them to make sure before you commit to count. Count what? Count the cost. Because this isn't going to necessarily be easy. Sometimes it's a grind. Sometimes living for Christ is difficult. It can be a grind battling our flesh and the devil. It can be a grind laboring in prayer. It can be a grind trying to be loving, trying to be patient, trying to be forgiving trying to be gracious. It can be a grind to spend daily time in the Word. It can be a grind trying to make disciples of the people that God has placed within our spheres of influence. Sometimes it's just grinding. And I think Paul and the apostles knew that better than anyone. They knew Jesus was worth the surrender and worth the sacrifice of all things to follow, but they also knew it was grinding. As a matter of fact, Paul once mentioned that one time in an area they were doing gospel work and they were sharing with people about the hope and the peace and the love and the forgiveness and the grace and mercy that's found in Christ and he says the the work was so difficult and the persecution was so intense that at one certain moment each and every one of us that were there and were a part of it despaired of life in other words he said the, the work that we were doing for Christ was such a grind and was so difficult because of extenuating situations and circumstances that we had almost rather just died in that moment then continued in it. So they understood it could be a grind at times. But you know, they also learned some things in that. Unfortunately for us, we get the lessons of their experience. And as we get into the text, Paul has been dealing with this church that he helped plant in the city of Corinth. And God loved these people. They had all sorts of issues going on and a whole lot to work out. Unlike the modern church today, Right? We don't have any issues. We ain't got a lot going on. We don't have a lot of problems that we need to work through or anything like that. We cannot completely relate whatsoever to these people in Corinth. God loved them. They have some problems. Thankfully, we're not as jacked up as they are, or so we like to think. But God love us. We got some issues too. We got some things we got to work through at times. And so Paul, for this, for Paul, this church for him was a grind at times. And if you read the two letters that he wrote, First and Second Corinthians, you can almost hear it in his voice at times as he's writing to them. He's like, you guys are killing me. You are wearing me thin. You ever had anybody in your life 
that just took a lot of effort. That at times you wanted to send them a message, and maybe you have. You're like, I love you, but good grief, I can't take it anymore. You are driving me nuts. You are wearing me thin. That was Paul's kind of relationship with the church in Corinth. He's like, I love you people to death, but you're killing me. Some of this stuff's got to stop. You're going to put me in the hospital with a heart attack. I can't take it anymore. This church for Paul was a grind. And so at our point of insert into the narrative, he's given them a lot of instruction on navigating their problems. Aren't you thankful that God left us with a lot of instruction on how to navigate our problems? And now, where we enter in at, he begins to just elaborate on the life that Jesus has called them to. So we're going to pick up in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 4. Paul writes this, Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So Paul tells these people about a gift that God had given them, which was the gift of being made ministers of the gospel, chosen vessels equipped by God to be the first such people to carry this message of good news and hope to a lost and hopelessly dying world around them. And he says this was given to us by God. We are chosen vessels of him. Not that we had any sufficiency of ourselves. Not that we were legitimate. Not that God looked down upon us and saw some kind of value that he desired. But just out of the goodness of his love and his grace and his mercy, he made us through his son sufficient to be ministers of the message. It's a gift that he gave us. And so the first thing I want to get into tonight is the grind of a gift. Let's talk about the grind of a gift. Paul tells them that any giftedness, any sufficiency that they had was God-given. So any teaching ability that he or the rest of the apostles had, any communication skills that they had been given, he says, all God-given. Their selection to be vessels for gospel proclamation, Paul says, all of that was God-given. As a matter of fact, in chapter 4, if you go over another chapter from where we started in verse 7, he goes on to say this, but we have this treasure talking about Christ and his message in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So he says, every bit of this that you see being exemplified in and through our lives is a gift from God. This treasure, this gift, every bit of it belongs to God. I think one of the most amazing things that God has done for mankind as his creation, so each and every one of us, I think one of the most amazing things that God has done for each and every one of us is give us a unique giftedness. Is there any way, I wonder, to quantify the total number of people that have lived and died on the face of this earth since the dawn of creation. Statistics tell us right now that the world population hovers around like 8 billion. That's just like currently. Now just imagine since the dawn of time how many people have came and gone across the face of this earth. 
And God in his amazingness decided that each and every one of us, past, present, and future, as a part of his creation, should be given a unique giftedness. Now, I don't know if it actually quantifies in your mind or not, but Christmas rolls around every year. And I have a difficult enough time buying presents for like five people in my family. As a matter of fact, I don't. My wife does. I don't want to stand here and lie and act like I Christmas shop, and none of you other guys in here better act like you do either one day when you get married because your wife's going to take care of every bit of it. And every married woman in here ought to say amen because you know that you do all the Christmas shopping in your family. But I, I do try to make an effort to buy unique gifts for people that I love, and I find it difficult to do that for like five people. I can't even begin to imagine how God in his vastness, in his sovereignty, finds a way to give each and every individual person a unique giftedness in some way, form, or fashion. It's mind-blowing that he would do that for us. I mean, there's gifted singers. You got to see some of them up here tonight. Gifted musicians. You got to see some tonight. People that are gifted with athletics, some with academics, some of you are artists. Some people are gifted with unbelievable carpentry skills. Some of them are gifted with a camera, photography, videography. Even in personality traits, God gives people a giftedness. People are gifted in being merciful. Some people are gifted in being patient. Some people are gifted in kindness and compassion. Some people are gifted encouragers. Each and every person has some kind of a unique giftedness that is a part of your life that God assigned to you. But here's the thing. That gift is also a grind. How many of you know your gift is a grind at times? Yes, we've been given it, but listen to me. It's our job to grow it. And that's where we find the grind so often when we look inside the gift. I had a certain level of giftedness to be able to play baseball and I had the opportunity to do so in my time at UNA. But listen, the gift only went so far. I can assure you one thing, each and every day I grinded to grow that gift. Each and every day I grinded on the practice field. I grinded in the weight room. It didn't matter what the weather was like, if it was hot or cold, if it was raining, if it was sleeting. I found some way to grind so I could grow my gift. I love the gift of being able to play, but I'm going to tell you sometimes I didn't want to go out on that practice field. Sometimes I didn't want to put those spikes on. Sometimes I don't want to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and go to the weight room. Sometimes I didn't want to run across that track one more time for conditioning and practice. I didn't want to do any of those things at times. I had a gift, but sometimes that gift was my grind. I couldn't stand practice sometimes. Sometimes the game that I loved the most was the thing I hated the most at the same time. I had a giftedness to do it, but sometimes that gift was a grind. It just wore me out at times. And the same is true for you. Some of you are very gifted academics, but you also grind in the classroom. That doesn't just come easily. People will say, man, I wish I had your brain. But what they don't realize is that you spent four hours studying the night before. You've got a gift, but you grind at it at the same time. Some of you are gifted on the athletic field. In the same sense, people, without realizing what we're saying at times, will 
say such a thing to someone who has a gift to play athletically, man, it just comes so naturally and so easy for you. Oh, does it really? Or you didn't see the 17 hours of practice that went into the two-hour game. Some of you are very gifted in your craft of being a musician. We've got some unbelievable musicians here in this church, but let me tell you guys, I see them grind week in and week out to prepare for the small moment that they have with you each and every week. You know what it's like to have a gift, and you know what it's like to grind so you can grow it at the same time. It can be a grind to have a gift, and the same is true, listen, when we possess abundant life. Abundant life is a gift from God. But sometimes it's a grind. Sometimes it's a grind to grow that gift that Christ has given us. Listen, let me put it to you this way. It's a treasure, but it's also a task. Jesus told a parable, as a matter of fact, about a man who gave his servant some talents or some money. To one servant, he gave five talents. To another servant, he gave two. And to a third servant, he gave one, and the man went away. For a while, And while he was gone, the servant that was given five talents doubled down on it, raised it up to ten. The servant that was given two talents doubled down on it, increased his to four. But the servant that was given one talent went and hid it and ignored it. And when the man came back to see what his servants had done with the talents or the money, that he had given them, he found that two of the servants had doubled down on the gift that he had given them and invested it and doubled the portion of it. And with them, he was greatly pleased. But with the one servant who hid the gift that he had given him and ignored it, he was angry with. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus has given us a gift in himself, but he expects us to grow it. to grow it personally in our own relationship with him. But if you're going to do that, listen to me, you'll have to grind a little bit. It's a grind at times to study God's word. I don't go sit here and lie to you. I don't care if pastor is beside the subject line of profession when I fill out some paperwork. It is a grind for me to get in God's word sometimes. Don't think for one second I bust up in my office every single day just all happy-go-lucky. Whoopee, I get to spend five hours in the Word of God today. It ain't like that for me all the time. Sometimes it's a grind. Sometimes I sit in front of God's Word just like each and every one of y'all do, and you think all this stuff just kind of magically pulls itself together, and here we have a finished product on Wednesday night. I'm telling you, for me to get to this point is a grind every single week. I'm just like you. You open up your Bibles at times, and you look at it, and you're just like... Get in there. <laughs> I'm the same way. It's a grind to get in God's words on time. It's a grind to pray. Jesus talked about prayer a lot, but he also talked about it a lot within the context of labor. Listen, labor is not a fun word. Labor is not an easy word. Labor is not a relaxing word. He says, labor in prayer. Grind in prayer. Sometimes it's a grind to serve. Sometimes it's a grind for me to put together a mission trip so we can go serve somebody else. And I'm like, I want to go on vacation. Where's my time at? Where's my chill time at? 
Sometimes it's a grind for me to walk over to the food pantry that we have here at the church and hand out boxes of food to people when I've got other things that I need to be doing. Sometimes it's a grind to serve. Sometimes it's a grind to attend worship. Which, by the way, find somebody beside you and tell them, good job, good job, good job. Why? Because you made it here tonight. And it's not always easy to get inside these doors. There are discussion boards that need to be done. There are papers that need to be written. Some, some professor is trying to be macho already and give you an exam the first week of classes. And there's studying to be done. There's books to be read. Hey, good job that you got here tonight because it's not always easy. Sometimes it's a grind to come to the house of God and worship. It's a grind to deny self. There are plenty of things that I want. There are plenty of things that I would love to elevate. It's a grind to deny yourself. It's a grind to live holy and righteous amongst a corrupt and fallen world. It's a grind to resist temptation. It's much easier to give in. It's much more of a grind to resist. Jesus has given us a gift. He expects us to grow it. And if he gave it to you personally, he expects you to grow it personally. But he also expects you to grow it publicly. It's not just that these servants grew the gift for nobody else to experience the benefit of. They grew the gift so that others could experience in the benefit of it because let me tell you what we see about this master that gave him the talents is he's a benevolent one. So if he gave a gift to two of these servants and they expanded it, it stands to reason that the master is going to take the expanded gift and share it with more people and expect them to do the same. I hope y'all are hearing this stuff tonight. I grinded to get this message together. He expects us to grow it publicly in leading others to him. But if you're going to do that, guess what? You're going to have to grind. It's a grind to be a witness. It's a grind to make disciples. It's a grind to show and exemplify love. It's a grind to elevate the needs of other people above your own. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, if you wanted to flip over a couple of chapters and where we're just at, Paul says this in, in verse 4. He's speaking to the same people. He says, As servants of God... We commend ourselves in every way by great endurance and afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. Then he would go on to say in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me, his gift towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, listen to what he said. I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is in me. In 1 Timothy 4, 7-10, it says, Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and we strive. He says we grind, 
We grit and we grind every single day. Why? Because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Paul says if you're going to grow what God gave you publicly, if you're going to lead other people to know the salvation that you know in Jesus Christ, it is going to be a grind. Every single day you've got to get up and you've got to put in work because the grind never stops and the enemy never sleeps. So he says, get after it. You think it's easy for us? We've been beat, we've been mocked, we've been made fun of, we've been drugged out in the streets. This is a grind. And that can be difficult. And when things get difficult, you know, most people have a default response. You know what it is? To quit. That's why you got to see the second part of this, which is the cost of giving up. There's a cost to giving up. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, so he's been speaking about the gifts, the ministry that God has given him. He says in verse 1 of chapter 4, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. And we're going to drop down to verse 13. He says, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that grace extends to more and more people. It may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God, so we do not lose heart. Paul fully understood the difficulty of the daily Grind. And here's what I want you to be reminded of because I think we lose this sometimes in pages of black and white ink is that Paul and these apostles, they lived a life just like the rest of us do. These guys had a job, they traveled, they had families, they faced stresses and anxieties from day to day task just like each and every one of us do. I think sometimes we look at these guys and we think literally that all they did was go around from town to town and it was just that easy preaching the name of Jesus, seeing people come to know him, like it wasn't that big a deal, like that was the only thing they had to do and if the disciples were half as busy as we were, they wouldn't be doing all this stuff. They would understand how packed our schedule is and why it is we can't win as many people to Christ as they did because they're just not even half as busy as we were. That is such bull. These guys were busy just like each and every one of us were busy. Right now, during your college years, you're busy. Guess what? When you graduate, you're going to be busy. I, don't, I know very few retired people that aren't still busy. Busy is a part of life all the way to the end, especially for those of us who are believers. Why? Because we have work that's never done. These guys had a life just like all of us did. And on top of all those things, Paul chose to live for and declare Jesus in a time when persecution was severely intense. Persecution was at one of its most intense rates at the early stages of the church. And you want to know why? Because the devil sensed what was being mobilized. And he knew if there was any way he could stomp it out at the beginning... What a victory that would be for him and all the souls that he is attempting to drag to hell with him. 
So persecution was intense during those times. Paul was beaten. He was stripped. He was whipped. He was imprisoned. He was stoned. He was starved. He was mocked in spite of all those things. He wouldn't give up. He wouldn't quit on his calling. Why? Because he knew the significance of what the cost would be for the people that God had placed in his life. If you go back and look in verse 13, and look at what he says. He says, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Now listen to what he says in verse 15. For it is all for your sake. So he told these people, we speak Jesus. Why? Because it is for your sake. We speak Jesus so many others can come to know grace, just like we have come to know grace. So even though the grind almost kills us at times, we don't give up and we don't quit and we don't lose heart so your heart won't be lost. That's the passion of a true disciple of Christ. Someone who does not lose heart because we know that other hearts may be lost. And so we push and we don't give up. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not grow weary of doing good. Why? Because we have, we have too many family members. We have too many friends. We have too many classmates. We have too many roommates. We have too many coworkers, gym buddies, fraternity brothers, sorority sisters that need Jesus, that need to know his grace. The vastness of lost souls still in darkness around us is too great for us to lose heart. Don't let the grind keep you from doing good. You can't give up. It's not an option. Trust me, there are times when I don't think I can keep doing this. As a matter of fact, I was laying in the bed at our house the other night with my wife. And I told her how, just a few days ago, as a matter of fact, I was sitting in my office and I, I kind of had one of those zone out moments where I like kicked back in my chair and just stared at the wall for like an hour. And in the midst of that, I kind of got lost in thought. You ever get lost in a thought? I got lost in a thought. And my thought was, is I'm done. This is it. I began to think about where I could find cardboard boxes to put my books in, to take my pictures off the wall, clean out my desk, pack up all my stuff. Why? Because I thought I can't keep doing it. It's too much, too much of a burden, too much of a weight, too much of a struggle, too much of a grind. I can't do this anymore. And I was telling her this whole, we were laying in the bed and I was like, I, I, I can't, I really don't know that I can continue to do this. And, and what spurred it on was that, that morning I heard on the way in on a radio show them talking about a guy that they were celebrating his retirement from ministry. He had been a worship pastor for 40 years. I was like, that's amazing. And then a few hours later, I'm sitting in my office and I'm like, I, I can't, 40 years? I can't, imagine doing, I can't imagine doing this for 40 years. I can't imagine enduring that long. I can't imagine grinding that long and doing what God has called me to do. And it, it became overwhelming in the time as I began to continue to just dwell upon it and dwell upon it and dwell upon it. But after talking to my wife that night, the next day the sun came up. 
So let me tell you something. If you ever get discouraged, if you ever get down, if you ever get disappointed, if you ever get depressed, the sun's going to come up the next day. And Jesus is still going to be king, and you're still going to be his child. And so often when I get to that point, God does exactly what he did a couple of days ago. He reminds me of what it would cost if I quit. And I begin to see you guys. I begin to see your faces. I begin to see faces that have never even been in this room before. I begin to reflect on all the souls that we have seen come to Christ over the past couple of years. I begin to reflect on the fact that already this semester, we've got to celebrate with two believers who have given their life to Jesus and publicly declared their surrender to him through baptism. Once I begin to picture those things, I think about it, I can't give up. I can't give up on you guys. I can't give up on my Savior that has called me to this. Y'all are awesome. I love each and every one of you to death. And here's the thing. I hope every one of you have a relationship with Jesus. But how many more of y'all are on campus each and every day that we haven't even got the message of Jesus to yet? I can't give up. And if I can't give up, y'all can't give up. We've got to keep pushing through. The cost is too great. Listen, God forgive us is hell is more populated than it should be because we quit. Paul says we do this for your sake so that just as grace was extended to us, it can be extended to you. Listen, don't be someone who grace gets to and ends. Don't be a grace ender. Be a grace extender. And with followers of Jesus, I think one of the devil's main goals is to get you to give up. He can't do anything about your eternity. But if he can get you to give up, he can do something about the peoples around you. And I think there's some people here tonight ready to give up. I think if you're dead level honest, you walked into this place tonight ready to quit. Ready to give up on a friend. Ready to give up on a family member? Ready to give up on a roommate, on a co-worker? I think some of you walked into this place and aren't ready to give up on God. And I pray that this isn't the case, but I feel that it may be. I think there may be a few people who walked into this room tonight ready to give up on yourself. And the devil has drug you to a deep and dark place. Listen, in our area over the past two weeks, there were three suicides. And I feel so deeply in my heart, there may be somebody sitting in this place tonight. The devil's got you right on the verge of that as well. But listen to me, this is the grace of God extending to you tonight. Don't give up. Christ did not give up on any one of us. And you know how hard the devil tried to get him to on his way to the cross? He says, boys, talking to his disciples, I got to go to the cross. Peter says, no, sir, you're not. You know what Jesus said? Get behind me, Satan. Not Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Jesus was going to the cross. You know what Satan did? Tried to get him to give up before he got there. Jesus, before he ever got to the cross, experienced beating, mocking, scourging, 
spitting, punching, all those things took place before he ever got to the cross. You know what that was? Man, God opened up my eyes this the other day. I always thought, man, that's just part of the crucifixion process, and it was, but I think there was so much more to it than we even realized. I think that was the devil trying to get Jesus to get to a point where he was broken and say, enough, I'm not going a step further. I'm done with this. You're not whipping me one more time? You're not punching me one more time? Even while he was hanging there, they hurled insults at him. He saved others. Why don't you save yourself? Why don't you come on down off of there if you're truly the son of God? Why don't you save yourself like you did so many others? He's the king of the Jews. Look at what a king he is. How impressive he is. How awesome he is. He can't even save himself. Tis, tis, tis. They say that Jesus hanging on the cross, people were walking by looking up at him and wagging their heads. Mm-mm-mm. You know what that was? That was the devil trying to get Jesus in a moment of pride to say, I will save myself then. How about I come on down? How about I just show the created what the creator can do and wipe y'all, y'all off the face of the earth? But he wouldn't do it. He would not give up because he was not going to give up on you. So you can't give up on a friend, on a family member that needs to know Christ. You can't give up on a coworker. You can't give up on a classmate. You can't give up on a roommate. You can't give up on God because he is still violently pursuing you. And you can't give up on yourself because he says, I love you. And I desire you to know me and have a relationship with me and be used by me. Listen, if you're in that place tonight, don't give up. Don't give up. One more thing. We're going to go. We're going to fast through this one. Don't give up. Why? Because there's worth that comes from grinding through. The worth of grinding through. Chapter 4, verse 17. Paul says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. As tough as things got at times, as intense as the grind was, Paul in his description called it light and momentary in comparison to what he knew would come to be his experience one day. He says, man, this grind is brutal. I'm not going to lie. I get ready to kick it in sometimes, Corinthians. Y'all are wearing me out. Sometimes it's more than I can stand, more than I can. But I tell you what, when I get to thinking about eternity and who I'm going to get to spend it with, this is a light and momentary thing. He says it's worth it. The grind is worth it because I know what awaits for me on the other side. As a matter of fact, at the end of his life, he's getting ready to go see Jesus. He tells Timothy this in 2 Timothy 4, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And he says, not only to me, but to every single one of you out here who love his appearing. It's worth it, he says. He's like, Timothy, it's going to be brutal, man. Hey, you want to go into church work? Woo! It's going to be tough, but it's worth it. Oh, my gosh. Like, Do you all understand? To, to be a part of what God has called you to, to be a part of, of leading lost souls to Christ, to be a part of carrying his message, when you actually see a family member come to Jesus, when you actually see a friend come to Jesus, 
when you actually see a classmate or a coworker, when you actually get the opportunity to build a relationship with someone and pray for their souls and plead on their behalf and then see them come to Christ, it is the most worth it moment ever. It's nothing like it. Try it. Try it sometimes. It's better than eating an Oreo with milk. It's the greatest thing ever. Seeing Jesus one day is worth the grind. Woo, it will be worth the grind. The hope of heaven is worth the grind. Listen, we got all eternity to chill in glorious perfection. Do you know how long eternity is? Eternal. Never ends. It's a long time to chill in glorious perfection. But we got a light and momentary time here to deal with the grind. I'm going to read an excerpt out of Hebrews to finish tonight. The writer's been talking about all these amazing saints in Hebrews 11, the Hall of Faith. So many people want to aspire to be in a Hall of Fame somewhere. Saints should aspire to be in the Hall of Faith. The writer of Hebrews is talking about some of these people. I'm going to piece some of the passages together. And this is what he writes. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Brock, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms and forced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, become mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, sawn in two, killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Why would anybody endure all that? Because Jesus is worth the grind because heaven is worth the grind, because lost souls are worth the grind. Therefore, he says, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. You've been grinding. You've been getting after it. The world's been beating you down. The devil's been on your back. You've gone through some defeats here lately. It's been a while since you've seen the top of the mountain. But lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And then listen to how he finishes. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That's a challenge. He says the passion of our lives is the pursuit of Christ and the pursuit of lost souls. See to it, men and women of God, my children, my creation, that no one around you fails to obtain the grace of God. It's a grind. 
but it's worth it. Hey, this is Trey Mitchell, college and young adult pastor. I just wanted to say thank you for listening. It's our prayer that God uses these messages in a way that challenge and encourage you to live for his glory. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus as your Savior, we would love to help you with making that decision. Just reach out to us through our webpage at underwoodbaptist.org. Be sure to check back in with us next week as we again encounter God through his word here at Life.